is a river of gladness that pours from Emmanuel's veins. The sinner was plunged beneath the flood and got saved. Since then I walk in forgiveness All of my guilt was erased The chains of the past are broken at last I got saved, oh I got saved I'm undone by the mercy of Jesus I'm undone by the goodness of the Lord I'm restored and made right He got a hold of my life I've got Jesus How could I want more? I've received nothing but goodness I've tested and tasted your grace I was so lost till I fell at the cross and got saved. Oh, I got saved. I'm undone by the mercy of Jesus. I'm undone by the goodness of the Lord. I'm restored and made right. He got a hold of my life. I've got Jesus. How could I want more? The love of God gave me His pardon. The love of God won't let me stay the same. The love of God pulls me up higher. His will is stronger. That's why I got saved. I'm undone by the mercy of Jesus. I'm undone by the goodness of the Lord. I'm restored and made right. He got a hold of my life. I've got Jesus. How could I want more? I'm undone by the mercy of Jesus. I'm undone by the goodness of the Lord. I'm restored and made right. He got a hold of my life. I've got Jesus. How could I want more? I've got Jesus. How could I want more? I've got Jesus. Children's Church to be dismissed at this time. Uh, Brother Connor is going to be teaching that class. So you guys can go on. I've been looking forward to that song all week. Uh, I kind of requested that song, and I just like that song because it's just—it's just a good feeling, and it's good. My old baseball coach said, "If that don't light your fire, your wood's wet." So uh, I really enjoyed that song. Uh, 
So I'm sitting on assignment this morning to preach to you guys. Charles asked me to fill in, and I get excited when I get to preach on Sunday mornings. I get excited when I get to preach anytime, but uh, Sunday morning's just a different feel, a different atmosphere, and, uh, and I, I got excited. I started preparing a message. I started preparing a sermon that I just knew God had laid on my heart, and I, I was excited. And at like a church camp, I talked to Trey and Aaron and a couple other people, and, and I think I talked to Michael last Sunday, and I said, I'm going to preach about this and this and this and this, and the more I got studying, God said, no, you're not. You're going to preach about something else. And I got to reading scripture, and I got to studying, and I, and I heard something that just stuck in my mind, and I said, that's what I got to preach. That's what I got to talk about this morning. So I've come to tell you this morning, somebody in here, and a lot of, of you in here, have been marked by God. You have been marked by God, and, and that kind of sounds simple, that kind of sounds easy, because we know a lot of us in here have been marked by God. But I have no doubt in my mind that somebody in here this morning has come here frustrated, you've come here you come here brokenhearted, you come here sad, you've come here lonely. And can I tell you, God has still marked you. God has marked you for a purpose. God has marked you for a calling. God has anointed you. God has set you aside to do, to do big and good things in your life. And it's hard. And you sit here and you say, but you, we question God. And we say, God, God, why? Why is my marriage turning out the way it's turning out? Why is my children turning out the way they are turning out? What about... Um, why is my job, I think about that all the time, not my church job, my other job, why, why, why am I in this never-ending stage I'm in, and there's all kinds of areas in our life, and you feel like you've been hit, and you feel like you've been knocked down, and can I tell you, it's time to, it's time to get up, it's time to face the consequences, because uh, God has marked you, God has called you for something bigger than what you what you realize and the thing is you don't realize some of you are in here you're marked but you don't realize what God has marked you for you don't realize what God has called you to do and so we ask all kinds of questions and struggles and we get we go to church camp and we get on fire for God and we think about man God has God has called me to do this God has called me to do that and then guess what along come distractions along comes life along comes this along comes that and we lose focus, and we, and we lose that fire, and God says, no, 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 no. He said, bring it back in. I want you guys to realize that I've marked you for a purpose. And there's all kinds of people we could talk about in the Bible who've been marked by God. I mean, we could, we could go down the list and name off people who's been marked by God. And I want to talk to you about David this morning. 1 Samuel chapter 16 is where we're going to be in our Bibles. 1 Samuel chapter 16, let me give you a little backstory. Saul was the king. And everybody wants to give Saul a bad, a bad name, a, just a bad reputation. But Saul himself was marked by God. Saul, too, was marked by God. And he, uh, Saul wanted to start doing things Saul's way and not the Lord's way. And um, the Lord said, it's time to anoint somebody else, king. And Samuel, we got Samuel on the scene here. And Samuel, in the first few verses of chapter 16, the Lord says, Samuel, how long are you going to mourn over, over me taking the reign away from King Saul of Israel? Like, it's time to anoint somebody else. And so we come on scene, and we're at Jesse's house, and uh, Jesse's sons. And we're going to pick up in verse 6, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 6. It says, and it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab and said, surely the Lord's anointing 
is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or his height of stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as a man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. I'm thankful for that this morning. Verse 8 says, Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this one. Verse 9, Then Jesse made Shema to pass by, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Verse 10, Again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. So Jesse's probably thinking, All my sons have become failures. Like I have, this is all my sons. Verse 11, Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, Well, there remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send, fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. Verse 12, And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and withal of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look at. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Verse 13, our last verse, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of the brethren, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Can y'all repeat something after me? Can y'all say marked? Marked? We've been marked by God. And uh, only one or two people in here may know this story, and I love telling stories. I love telling school stories, and most of the school stories I tell are humorous, and, and they're not true because they're just kind of a humorous little joke, but this one's actually true, and I cracked up when I was like, I was like, man, I got to throw this story in there. And I always use a little boy's name. Who is it? Johnny. I always use Johnny. Well, lo and behold, this story is about a kid named Johnny, and I was like cracking up. I was like, this is like a true story. I finally get to tell a true story. It's not a good story on my side. I'm in sixth grade, so when you're in, when you're in middle school, you got your fifth and sixth grade. You got your seventh and eighth grade. I'm in sixth grade. I'm I'm top dog, you know. I'm not up to seventh, eighth, but I'm I'm over fifth and sixth. You know, I feel like I'm big and bad. We went to a basketball game on a Tuesday night, and when you're in sixth grade, you don't really sit down. I don't know about Tucker and some of you boys go to basketball games. I don't really sit down and watch basketball games. I play with my friends. You gotta think we didn't have cell phones, and I know I'm older than I look, but back then we didn't have cell phones and all that stuff to play with. So I remember me and all my friends, we sit in the top corner. We would goof off, we would we would talk, probably make fun of people, do whatever we want to do for the whole basketball game. You know, you ride home, mom, did you enjoy the game? Yeah, it was good. Yeah, you have no idea what happened. No big deal, right? Next day, walk to lunch in sixth grade from where I was at, I was in Miss Wilson's homeroom class, one of my mom's best friends. We get to walk on pretty days, we get to walk outside around to the side door of the lunchroom, go in and eat lunch, and then when we walk back, we get to walk outside. And so when you're stuck in a school all day, it's kind of nice to have a two or three minute walk outside. We're walking back from lunch, and this kid named Johnny, very slim chance he's listening, and I hope he's not, and I hope he never hears this. If he does, I'll probably have to move. Johnny comes up, and he, he kind of jerks my shoulder back, and he said, hey, you pick on my cousin last night at the basketball game? Was that you? I was like, dude, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I, and I just kind of blew it off like it was nothing. And I kept walking, and I took about three or four more steps, and Johnny yanked my shoulder back again, and he popped me right here, hard as he could. I mean, I was, I was a shrimp back in sixth grade. I mean, 
I'm not a shrimp anymore. I was, just, I was little back in sixth grade. Johnny was way bigger than I was. He'd be like me going up to Austin here and saying, you want to fight? And if Austin's smart, he'll say no. But I, this guy didn't ask me to fight. And he fought me. Man, I was mad. I was crying. I was weak. I was, I was a wimp back then. I went, and we were almost back to the homeroom. I went into class, and I started, man, I, I, was, I was mad. I was furious. I started slinging books off the desk. I started flipping tables. I was acting like Jesus did when he gets upset. You know, no big deal. And I remember Miss Wilson coming in, and she said, Mark Apple, she said, what are you doing? And I turned around, and my whole eye was swollen. I was bleeding out the side of my head. <clears throat> she said, what, what happened? Grab the nurse. Somebody get the nurse. And she didn't know what happened because the teachers were not, you know, back then you didn't have to be watched. It's just they let your kids run wild. And, uh, and he hit me. And I tell you that story to tell you this. Some of the hardest hits that you're going to take in life, you're not going to see coming. You're not going to see divorce coming. You're not going to see your kids becoming drug addicts or alcoholics. You're not going to see your dead-end job. It's going to hit you out of nowhere, and you've got a choice. You can either get up or you can lay there. And I can tell you one thing. If you're marked by God, it's time to get up. It's time to do something about it. And if, I if Johnny would have turned me around and said, hey, I'm about to hit you, you better look out, I, well, I, well, I'd have took off running for one. But I could have protected myself. I could have I been ready for the hit. But life doesn't give us those warnings. We don't know those hits are coming. And, and man, I just took a, I took a bad hit. And, and David, we got David here, and he has been anointed by the Lord. And it says the favor of the Lord is going to be with David for the rest of his life. David had a lot of defending to do for himself. He had to protect himself. And I want to talk about David and him being marked by God. There's three points. And my first point is you are approved in private. Approved in private. And God is intentionally approving you in private because what he wants to do in your life, what he wants to do with you, big and, and good, bold things, he doesn't want to put that on display yet. And so many of us, we want to get, we want to get carried away. So David, David was approved in private. And because the thing is, like I go to, we go to church camp, we get ideas. I go to these youth pastor conferences, and I think, man, like if I could take this back to our church, we I would sweep Cookville right off their feet, and we would have 400 youth students come in. Like I get big ideas, but then if I want to bring them to the surface, it's easy to kill and, and destroy and, and pound that away because it's still an infant stage. You remember when Jesus was born, a baby? What did they want to do? They wanted to kill all the male babies, two and under, because they didn't want Jesus around. Why? Because it's easy to kill a king in kid form, and that's exactly what they wanted to do. And all through the Bible, you can read, God was with David. God was with David. Scripture after scripture, God was with David. And you can ask yourself, why was God with David so much? Can I tell you something? It's because David was with God. David wanted to be close to God. So my question of you is, do you want to be with God and you looking on other people's life and you're like man God pours his favor out on them and God's God's always with this person he's always with them well maybe it's because they're always with the Lord in private and you don't see it God is just saying if you'll just spend a little time with me if you'll spend a little time reading your Bible if you'll spend a little time in private praying if you'll be a part of this men's 
Bible reading study I'm asking you to be a part of, if you'll just do that and you don't have to brag about it, you don't have to boast, if you'll just do that in private, I promise I will bless you. That's what God's trying to tell us. The second point I got is you're anointed before you're positioned. You're anointed before you're positioned. Think about this scripture. David, anointed, and then he got to go straight to the palace, right? No. He had to go back to the fields. He had to go back out with the sheep. So he was anointed, but Saul was still king. And he was anointed before he was positioned. And God says, I want to anoint you. I want to do a fa- this favor in your life. But then I want to send you back so you can get some more practice. Because I got some work here that's not done yet. And see, that's the thing about us. We want to go. We want to jump straight to the, straight to the stage. We want to do this. We want to do that. And my question is, do you get tired waiting on the Lord? If, I, if, I, if that was an honest question, I said, are you tired waiting on the Lord? A lot of you probably say, yeah, because that's how we wait on the Lord. Lord, I've prayed, I've prayed, I've prayed for over a month about this situation in my job. You still hadn't done anything. Lord, I'm tired of waiting. I thought for sure you would handle this situation by now, and you hadn't. Lord, this friendship, this relationship I'm in, Lord, I've prayed. This relationship I want to be in, I've prayed and prayed and prayed. And you get tired of waiting on the Lord. But I ask you, how are you waiting on the Lord? How are you waiting on the Lord? How may I be of service to you, God? How may I be a better husband to my wife? How may I be a better wife to my husband? How may I be a better student in the youth group or to my, or to my parents? How may I be a better coworker to that annoying coworker who I just really don't like? God, how can I serve you? How can I serve in the church? How can I serve in children's church? How can I serve in the nursery? How can I do what's, what's lacking, what nobody else really wants to do? Lord, while I'm, while I'm waiting on you to answer prayers, maybe I just need to serve you. So my question, how are you waiting on the Lord? Matthew, put that verse up there, Proverbs 3, 5. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding I struggle with this one because I want to do things my way I want to have things done now and I'm tired of waiting on the Lord but this is where it becomes a heart check this is where the Lord says you know what I need you to I need you to trust me on this I need you to remain faithful I need you to remain obedient I need you to do what I've asked you to do because God is anointing you in private He's approving you before position, anointing you before your position. And I think about uh, Saul. If you, you really got to read chapters 15, 16, 17, probably 18 of 1 Samuel to really get the idea of David here when he was first called because Saul, Saul goes through a lot and Saul, Saul don't really like David. And then David's anointed and Saul's anointment's taken away. And then later though, Saul is troubled by evil spirit, spirits. I think that's in, later in chapter 16, maybe in verse chapter 17. He's troubled by evil spirits. You know who he calls for? He calls for David. David's, David's been anointed. David's back in the fields. David's back working. But you know what David knew how to do? David knew how to play the harp. Might even know how to play the guitar. And evil spirits, they wanted to get those evil spirits out. And he said, he said go get me David. So they've already sent for him once in the fields. Now they've sent for him a second time in the field. And now David's being called to the palace where the king is, but not to be king, to be a servant. 
and he plays the harp and he gets rid of these evil spirits and uh, David used David used what was in his hands and I think about all our musicians pretty much gone this morning to Haiti and music was different no drums but man we had Michael filling in for us and but man I bet Michael when he started picking on the guitar I don't know how long you've been playing 15 20 years probably you that old 30 years no I'm just kidding he ain't that old but when you started picking on a guitar you probably thought like I'll play this and I'll play this in front of Tabitha one day and she'll like this like I'll impress her or I'll do this I'll do that and God placed a guitar in his hands and he said no actually you know what you're gonna you're gonna be helped leading worship one day with that guitar you're gonna you're gonna do this you're gonna you're gonna lead my people in praising my name and I'm gonna use you on that stage and, and David just like Michael has David has used what God placed in his hands he didn't know he was going to get to go to the palace and play and serve and be part of that. But David was obedient. David saw an opportunity. <clears throat> and the thing is, when we're approved in private and we do things that nobody knows, we prepare ourselves and we do things that only the Lord knows about, good things. The thing is, we immediately, David immediately, he didn't immediately want the stage, but we do. If that would have been us, we would have said, all right, I'm anointed. I'm anointed king. Like, it's time to go to the palace. So I'm just going to pack my bags. I'm going to load up with you, and we're going to head to the palace. And then I'll tell you what, I'll be nice enough. I'll, pack my, I'll, pa I'll help you pack your bags. I'll move you out of the palace, and I'll become king. It didn't go that way. The Lord said, you're going back to the fields. Samuel said, you've got to go back to the fields, and you've got to do this. And it's what you do in private it's what you do on your own time that matters because this stage is just a raised area for the same thing you can do down here so if you can't read your Bible and pray down here how do you expect God to allow you to do it up here if you can't love down here if you can't love your neighbor if you can't love your enemy how do you expect God to let you do it up here if you can't be on your knees and ask God for forgiveness and live the way you're supposed to be if you can't serve the way you're supposed to serve down here how do you expect God to allow you to do it up here and that's where it comes back to a heart check like we got to serve God down here and be faithful and say God I don't know why you're doing what you're doing down here but I'm gonna trust you I know I, I, I don't know exactly what your plan is but but I'm gonna trust you David had an opportunity opportunities are wrapped in obedience you say what do you mean by that well, if David hadn't have been obedient to his father and God the Father, he would have never had the chance to meet Goliath. Now you say, no, why, why, big deal, Goliath's a bad dude, why, why, why does that matter? That brings me to my third point. Obedient, we are elevated through obstacles. Elevated through obstacles. David got the chance to meet Goliath. When we think of obstacles, Notice that says elevated through obstacles. When we come to obstacles in our life, what do we say as humans? We think, how are we going to get around that? How, how are we going to go around this? How are we going to go around that? You know, you know, what, you know what they're going to say when we bring up this idea. When we want to do this, you know what they're going to say. How are we going to get around that? And David says, how are we going to get through that? How are we going to get elevated through these obstacles? David, first seven, uh, chapter 17, he's on the scene, and Goliath is here, and Saul's got his army, and man, Goliath has been just 
bashing God and, and God's people for days, like over a month, like 40 days worth. And Goliath is just talking bad about God. And David shows up and he was like, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? That's, that's bad talk back then. He says, who is this guy? He going to talk about our God like this? And Saul says, no, 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 you don't understand. Like this dude's, this dude's big. Saul had his army. We're elevated through obstacles where thousands of people in an army took a step back because they saw an obstacle. One man named David took a step forward because he saw an opportunity. And obstacles and opportunities can be the same thing. It just depends on who's on your side. And if you got God on your side, obstacles are nothing. David took a step forward because he was marked by God. And no longer will we step away from the obstacle, but we will step towards it because we have God on our side. And one thing I, one thing I love about this is David shows up. David shows up on the scene. Saul says, I don't think you understand. I don't think you realize, like, how big this dude is. Like, he's, this guy, it's like Johnny in the sixth grade. He's bigger than you. He's going to hit you, and you're going to go down, and you're going to probably cry. And David says, can I tell you something? Let me tell you something that you guys don't know. He said, I've been approved in private. I've done things out in the field when nobody was looking. And you can look this up in later chapter 17 where it says a bear and a lion come after David and he slew him. David says, you know what? I know a thing or two with a slingshot. I know how to do this because what God showed me in private, he said, well, you guys haven't seen this yet. You guys don't know what I'm about to do, but for me, because I've been close to God and I've, I've obeyed God and I've been obedient, it's just a rerun for me. And that's what God's saying. When you're on the stage, you gotta, you got to do in private. When you think nobody's looking, you gotta, you got to pretend like everybody's looking. Because God says, what I want you to do down here, when it's time to do it up here, you can't flinch. And that's what, that's what he told David. He said, it's time for you to, to step forward and make it through this obstacle. Saul said he couldn't, it couldn't be done. One of the last things I, I got, this is not a point, but it's just, you got to be you. When God approves you in private, and he anoints you before your position, and he elevates you through obstacles, you got to be you. He says, i got a special fingerprint of DNA that I want you to do this job. And man, I struggled with this so bad. When I first, when I first became a youth pastor, I would go to church camps, I'd go to youth conferences, and I'd be around all these big shot youth pastors. Man, they were like cool dudes. I'm like, man, if I could be like him, I, my youth group would love me to death. If I could take this back to earth, if I could, if I could preach like him, if I could act like him, and God says, no, 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 you've missed the point. God said, I've called you, yeah, you and your sarcasm, because everybody knows I got sarcasm, to be a youth pastor. God says, I want to use you. And you notice when we read the scripture and Jesse calls for his son, that he said, hey, there's David out in the field. Let's go get him. No. He said, there's still my youngest son, the one who's out there with the sheep. He labeled him. He downgraded him because of what his job was. And that's how the world is. They downgrade us. They downgrade you. Because you, not, you might not be as good at, at sports as everybody else. Or you might not be good at playing instruments. You might not be good. You don't have it all together in your marriage. So you, oh, you're talking about that couple who always fights and 
who never goes places together and their kids always act up. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking about them. Are you talking about that one lady who wears a lot of makeup, got a lot of hair? Yeah, yeah, I'm talking about her. God don't do that with us. God calls us by name. And God says, I want David. Go get David. Let me, let me anoint David because he's going to be He's going to be my next king. And you say, Mark, why are you, why are you preaching like this? Why are, you, why are you talking about this passage the way you're talking? Because, I, because I've lived it. I've been there. And I had the privilege. Me and Cecil talked last night. And I kind of told him, uh, you know, what I was going to tell this story at the end. And I ain't going to lie. When I first came to this church, I said, God, why do you have me here? Like, what in the world am I doing here? Because I came... If you, don't, if you don't know me, I came from Stephen Street Baptist Church. And I like to say I went to Stephen Street back in its prime when it was going. It's still a good church. But Brother Jimmy Arms, man, he, he mentored me. He, he is the biggest, probably the biggest part of why I went into ministry. And I, I got to hang out with Brother Jimmy and his family. And, man, I was still living wrong. I was still living bad. And Brother Jimmy, we would eat dinner on Sunday nights, and he would say, Mark, I just... He's like, you're going to be in ministry one day. I just know it. And like, if, if you don't know Brother Jimmy, he's like, I feel like he's like a notch below Jesus. Like he, He's like, he's up there. And I, I love the man to death. And I'm like, you crazy. Like, you are crazy. Like, there is no way. And, and months went by, and he would say, Mark, he's like, I just know you're going to be in ministry. He's like, I'm just talking to you. And I'm thinking, man, if you knew what I did outside of church, you wouldn't tell me that. But... Jesus used Jimmy to prick at my heart. And I said, you know what? Maybe I do want to be in this thing called ministry. And I didn't know what that was. God had marked me, but I didn't know what that was. And I was thinking, all right, what am I going to do? I, I, well, I'll tell you what I was thinking. I was thinking, I'm going to be in ministry at Stephen Street one day. Biggest church in Cooville, and here I am. Boy, I cannot wait. I'm going to be in ministry at a big old church. God said, I don't think so. So I said, well, i got to do something. i got to do something. If you know anything about Stephen Street and the choir, they still got a good choir, but the choir they had seven, eight, nine, ten years ago, off the chart. You just have to go here. Or like the first time I heard them, I was like, wow. Like, I'm, and a lot of people, that's why they went to that church, because of the choir. They, just, they, were, they were so in sync and so in tune with God through those years, and, and they still are, but, man, they were just in their prime. I was like, you had to go to choir practice three Wednesday nights in a row before you become a member of the choir. And I was like, I'm going to join the choir. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to join. That's, God's going to call me in the ministry. I can't sing, but I'm going to join the choir. So I went to practice that Wednesday night. You had to stand up. You had to tell them your name, tell them when you joined the church, like how long you'd been there, what you did for a living, social security number, date of birth. No, you didn't have to tell them all that. You just had to tell them a lot, and you just had to say, like, I feel led. I want to sing in the Stephen Street Baptist Choir. And so I did all that, and I'm thinking that next Sunday morning, and when you sit in Stephen Street and the choir starts coming out, and there's like 90 to 100 people in the choir, and they start rolling out in these rows, I'm thinking, three weeks, that's going to be me. I, that, that's going to be me. I tell you, I cannot, I'm like, I'm like getting chilled, and they ain't even started singing yet. And I'm like, oh, man, this, this is going to be good stuff. That was on a Sunday morning. That same Sunday night, same Sunday night, I came here. Because me and Lauren was dating. I sit about that same spot right there. We were voting on a new pastor, not Charles, it was the one before him. And people was kind of joining the church because they wanted to get a vote in for a new pastor. 
and, and they kind of did all that and everything was over. And I don't even remember who was up here, but they said, anybody else want to join the church? Anybody else want to join Cookville Free Will? Man, I was down here on this side, and I was like, Lord, I was like, Lord, stop me. Lord, like, what are you doing, Lord? Like, I, I, didn't know what, I didn't know why I was joining. I had no idea. I was like, I, Lord, I got, you got me at Stephen Street, Lord. Like, that's where I'm supposed to be. And the Lord's like, no, it's not. That's where you think you're supposed to be. You know, I said Saul trying to do it Saul's way in the beginning. The Lord said, I got a different way. And I sat right back here for months and years, and I struggled with, God, why am I here? Even, like, my plan was me and Lorna get married. Lorna Cecil approved it. didn't matter what Rhonda said. Lorna Cecil approved it. And, and Lauren would come to Stephen Street with me. And we would, man, we would have, God would bless us beyond measure, and we would just have it made. And I joined this church, and I'm like, Lord, you gotta, you gotta show me something. You, I, like, I don't know why I'm here. And I remember, man, I got so mad. I knew God had marked me, but I didn't know why. So God had marked me, and he sent me, he sent me somewhere else. Kind of what he did David. And I sit back there, and I got asked to help teach the college class, which was me and Lauren and Lauren and me and me and Lauren, big old class. And the guy that kind of headed that up, I won't say no names, he kind of headed that up. Every time we'd meet somebody, he'd say, this is Mark Apple. He's over our college ministry. I'm like, college ministry? What, dude, there's like three of us. Like, what are you talking about? I'm over college ministry. I mean, it bugged me for the longest time. And I questioned God. And I said, God, this is really what you have for my life. Is this really, really? And then Ricky and Kelly came, and they was their youth pastor. Ricky became one of my best friends, still, still one of my best friends to today. We talk all the time. Lauren and Kelly became best friends, and I prayed about it. Still doing college ministry. We was up to about six or seven then, so it, it was going strong. And we got a great college ministry now. Don't get me wrong. We, I mean, God has blessed this church beyond measure. And I told Lauren, I was like, I really want to go into youth ministry. I was like, that's where, that's what God's tugging at. Like, I, and I don't know why. I said. That's just, that's just what I want to do. And side note, Brother Jimmy used to always tell Lauren, like, you're going to marry a youth pastor someday. You're going to marry a youth pastor. And she was like, you crazy. I, I swear, he's, he's, he's almost up there, I'm telling you. And so I questioned and questioned and questioned. I said, God, I don't want to leave Cookville Free Will, but I want to be in youth ministry. And me and Lauren, I kind of mentioned the idea. She's like, you crazy. Like, you, you can't teach yourself. How are you going to teach other kids? And I'm like, I know. She's like, I got to teach you at the house. Like, it, was it was just, it was like, I, I feel like this is what the Lord's telling me to do. And I was like, boy, but I love Ricky. I hope Ricky and Kelly stay, man. They're my best friends. This was on like a Thursday. The next night, Friday night, we had Ricky and Kelly over for dinner because we hung out with them. Not every weekend, but almost every weekend. We were together. We was either going to eat or we was going to their house. They come there. They come to our house for dinner that night. We're talking. We're having a good old time. Ricky said, man, I really don't know how to tell you all this. He said, but we're, we're leaving the church. We're moving back home, North Carolina. And I prayed that day before, and I said, Lord, if, if, if you want me to be youth pastor at Cookville or, or something, you got, you got to show me. You got Because I ain't, I ain't trusting in you like I should. And when Ricky said that, it's like God tapped me on the shoulder, and he was like, I told you. I told you. You just got to be faithful. You've got to trust in me because I've approved you in private. I've anointed you before your physician. I've prepared, I've prepared the way. Kind of like when John the Baptist come on scene and prepared the way for Jesus. That's what Jesus was telling me. God said, I've prepared the way. 
And there's going to be obstacles. This is my sixth year youth pastor. And, and every year I'm thinking, Lord, what am I doing? I don't want to be doing this. <laughs> I love it. I love what I do. Trust in the Lord. Trust God because David didn't know what was going on. Michael, come on up and start playing for us. There's no doubt in my mind that there's people in here who are, who are broken, who are, who are torn apart, who don't know where their lives are headed. But can I tell you something? If you've been marked by God, you have a purpose. I'm going to show you something here. This is a crayon, right? What's a crayon do? Color. It's pretty, right? I just broke the crayon. Guess what a crayon still does? It still colors. There's no doubt in here there's people that's broken. Come on, worship team, let's sing. There's no doubt people in here who are broken, who their lives are a mess, a wreck. And I can tell you something, you have been marked by God. God has called you, God has anointed you, God has raised you to a new level. And you can say, God, I'm broken. And God's going to say, guess what? I still want to use you. I still want to use your life. And I don't like begging. I don't like asking you guys to come because if it's spirit-filled, you guys need to come. But I, I have no idea, no doubt in my mind that there's people in here who have been marked and they don't know what their reason is. You know what this song says? It says, oh, come to the altar. And that's exactly what we need to do. As young people, as middle-aged people, as Charles likes to call them, the senior saints of the church, there's people who's been marked by God and you say, how are you going to use me in my 50s, in my 60s? And God said, that's okay. I've marked you. I've marked you for a purpose. You guys stand with us. I'm going to pray and we're going to sing. Don't hesitate to come. Lord, I thank you for this day.